0: I walked out to my car at the end of a long day at work. I was tired. I had a long drive ahead of me back to Brooklyn and it was only my eighth day on the job as the director of a 72-bed campus for at-risk teenage boys and girls. I had an assistant director and he came up to me and he shoved this piece of paper in my hands. It was a flyer that it was written in handwriting. It wasn't typed out and the flyer said Rally behind the school tonight to protest the Rodney King verdict. I said to him, So what is this about? And he said, Well, you probably didn't hear, but the police officers accused of beating Rodney King were found innocent today. And South Central Los Angeles is in flames and there's riots all over the country. And I've been here long enough to know that unless you do something fast, we could have riots here too. So this was April of 1992. For those of you who weren't around in 1992, Rodney King was an African-American man who was speeding in his car. He was pulled over for speeding in Los Angeles. And four officers beat him when he was on the ground. And what he didn't know and they didn't know is that someone was videotaping it and the officers were charged with assault, and this was a major, major news story that lasted for about a year. That video was probably shown on nightly news every single night that year. There was a trial, and now apparently the four officers were found innocent. The program, the campus that I had just taken over, it was called St. Christopher's. It was right outside of New York City. And it was a quiet little town called Dobbs Ferry on eight acres. Beautiful, right in the Hudson River. Even though it was called St. Christopher's, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a faith-based program. It wasn't a religious program. There was a sign out front that said founded 1881. So I think there had been some loose affiliation with a Protestant church. But it wasn't anymore. Um, there were 72 kids there. All of these kids were from poverty. Most were from single family homes where they never knew their father. Most of these kids had bounced around from foster home to foster home their whole life. Some of them had been gang members. Some of them had been in trouble with the police. And I got the job basically because the place was out of control. The police were regularly called to St. Christopher's. And my job was to bring stability in order to that program. Now, this is important. Of those 72 kids, there was one Caucasian young man and one Caucasian female. Almost all the staff were African-American. I replaced an African-American man who'd been there over 10 years, and I'm Caucasian. So that's the setting. It's my eighth day in the job. We've got the Rodney King verdict. So I said to my assistant director, so who do you think wrote this? So he said, I'm almost positive it's this young man named Joe. I said, well, where's Joe? He said, well, he's probably in his cottage right now. I said, well, let's go and see Joe. So as he walked there, I said, so what is Joe like? And he said, well, he's 15 years old. He's African-American. He's been here about a year. And a few weeks ago, he threw a rope around a tree limb here and uh, tried to hang himself. In fact, thank God, another staff member of mine happened to be going by and saw him and pulled him down. So I'm thinking to myself, this is the leader? You know, this is who I'm going to have to deal with? Sounds like he was serious, serious problems. So we got to the cottage, and I met Joe, introduced myself, and he was very nice, very nice young man. He admitted right away that he was the one who had uh, written the flyer and photocopied it, he didn't try and disguise it or deny it. And we didn't try and talk him out of it. I made the decision pretty early that I wasn't going to try and stop this thing. But uh, the assistant director said to him, he goes, Joe, you know what? Let's move it inside. There was a chapel on grounds. He said, let's move it into the chapel. If it's outside behind the school, who knows what's going to happen? And Joe was amenable to it. He said, sure. So we said, Joe, great. You get the kids. We'll see you in one hour. So I arrived in the chapel an hour later. All seventy-two kids are there. A lot of the staff are there too. There was one other uh, um, Caucasian staff there besides me, and that was our clinical director, the psychologist. All the other staff were African American or Hispanic. And there was a big TV. There was a big circle. All the kids were in a big circle on the staff, and there was a big TV going on. And the TV, of course, is showing the Rodney King video over and over and over again, and shots of rioting in L.A. and elsewhere. So I'm watching these scenes of rioting, and really, I'm, thi- I'm scared. I'm thinking to myself, are we minutes away f- from that here, having riots here on campus and in Dobbsbury? So somebody turned the TV off, and then Joe stands up in the middle of the circle, and he says, I still remember what he says, almost word for word. He said, when I heard about the verdict today, I was furious. I'm half black, so I consider Rodney King to be like my brother. And my first reaction was, yeah, let's go into town, let's go into Dobbs Ferry and do what they're doing in LA. Let's burn it down. But then I thought about Dr. King and his teaching. Dr. King wanted to rid the world of racism, but he wanted to do it in a nonviolent way, and I think that's what we should do—nonviolence. Everybody clapped, and I was just relieved. But seconds later, another young man stands up. He was Hispanic, age fourteen, and even though I was only there eight days, I had already pretty much figured out which kids were really causing, you know, a lot of the difficulties, and I recognized this young man as one of them. And he. He's very different from Joe. He scream he's in tears. And he yells, wake up, kids, wake up. Okay? You kids have been kissing the white man's ass ever since you've got here. And he turns, he points to the psychologist. He goes, you all kiss her ass, and then he points to me. And he says, you're all gonna start kissing his ass now. I'm going into town and I'm gonna start breaking windows. Who's with me? And he jumps up and he leaves the chapel. And I held my breath. And I'm thinking, who's going with him? One kid, 10 kids, all the kids? Not one kid got up and followed him out, not one. A staff member did. A staff member kind of trailed after him to kind of calm him down. And then we went around the room and the staff talked about racism, what they had experienced, and they were great. They were great. One man talked about being in Washington, D.C. with Dr. King and with Ralph Abernathy and being there for the rally in Washington. It was great. Their messages were so good and so encouraging. It was exactly what these kids needed to hear. So it went on. it, It was about an hour. By the time everyone spoke, it was about an hour. I hadn't said a word, and I can tell it's wrapping up. The psychologist by now has left, so... I'm the only Caucasian person left. And I kind of felt like I'm the new director. I have to say something. So I raised my hand, said, hi, my name is Mark Redman. I'm the new director here. I've met a lot of you. I'm looking forward to meeting all of you. And I just want to say that that verdict, that that jury reached today, is wrong. In my mind, a terrible injustice occurred today. But you know what? Injustices have been occurring for a long time. I was 10 years old when Dr. King was assassinated. That was a terrible, terrible injustice. I hope you all know who Emmett Till is. That was a terrible injustice. A young man from Chicago who goes down to the Deep South in the 1950s and is beaten and killed for nothing, and those men who are accused were found innocent. A terrible injustice. Injustices have been going on for a long time, and I hate to tell you, but there are more to come. And the next time it's an injustice, it could be another African-American person, it could be an Asian person, it could be a Caucasian person, who knows? The question is, the next time this occurs, what position will you be in to do something about it? And the answer to that lies in tomorrow, school, and education. Will you be in a position to do something about the injustices that are, that are going to occur in our society? If you want to be, it's vitally important you get an education. The best response to injustice is to educate yourself. I said to them, look at Malcolm X. You should all read the autobiography of Malcolm X. Who was Malcolm X? He was a drug dealer. He ended up in prison. But you know what he did in prison? He educated himself. He knew that education was the answer to ending injustices. I sat down and I held my breath for a second, wondering you know, how what I'd said had been received. And then everybody started clapping. And it wasn't the kind of clapping that was just polite. You could tell, like, it had sunk in. I, I had hit a nerve. So then Joe stood up to uh, it was apparent it was ending. And he stood up and he asked everyone to stand up. And then he asked everyone to hold hands. And they did. And he started in our father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Again, St. Christopher's, despite the name, was not a faith-based organization. It was not a religious institution. But Joe just felt that was the way to end the whole night. And that's what he wanted to do. And that's what we did. And frankly, it was incredible. It was very moving. So he finished. I went over. I shook his hands. I said, Joe, (laughs) thank you. Thank you. The next day, I... um, went into work in the morning, and uh, a lot of the day staff were there, including some of the administrators from the school. And everybody was coming up to me, all the adults. Mark, we heard you stop the riot. You saved the place from the riot. You stopped the riot, Mark. Nice job. And I kept saying, no, it wasn't really me. It was Joe. It was this young guy. It wasn't really me. But they kept insisting, no, you did a great job. It's funny, I called... The guy who, my old boss who I had worked for in Brooklyn prior to coming to Dobbs Ferry. And I said, Everybody's giving me credit for stopping this riot. And frankly, I didn't do much. And he said to me, Well, no, number one, he said, You didn't try and stop the rally. So that was smart. And, and he said, Number two, don't worry. They'll soon be blaming you th- for things that aren't your fault. So if I were you, I'd take the credit for something you didn't, that you don't deserve anyway. If I were you, I would take the credit for this. So I said, okay, I kind of laughed. But he and he was right. In time I would be blamed for all kinds of things that weren't my fault. So he was right. In terms of Joe, it was sad because he left St. Christopher's a few weeks later. He just took off. There were no locks or gates or bars at St. Christopher's. If a young person wanted to go, we couldn't hold him there. And this is ironic, he ended up in Brooklyn and he ended up At the shelter where I had worked right before coming to Dobbs Ferry, my staff, my former staff called me and said, hey, we have this young man here named Joe. And he said he's on the street and he used to live up by your place. And I said, listen, take him in and tell him if he wants to come back, he can come back. We still have a spot for him. Uh, But he never did come back to us. And then he left that shelter and he disappeared from there. So I never... Heard from him again. And uh, I often wonder, you know, it's all these years later. How is Joe? You know, how is he doing? It's over two decades later. Um, I certainly hope he has a good life. He deserves a good life. He deserves a happy life. Because on that day, he really was hero. He was really the, the hero of the day. And you know, in a lot of ways, he changed me and that day changed me. I had started that evening with, how do I stop a potential riot? That was my initial reaction, which makes sense, right? But really what I learned is that by allowing Joe and other young people to express themselves and to trust that they would come up with their own solutions to this, was the best course of action. It was giving them a space to talk about how they felt and what their thoughts were and trusting that that would be the best outcome, which it was. Which really, I stayed at St. Christopher's another five years, that really became a guide for me. So Joe made me change. That night made me change. I hope he's well and I hope he's had a good life. Thank you for listening. This podcast was produced by Liam Redman. The podcast is So Shines a Good Deed. This is Mark Redman.